the Everyday Love Podcast, where we talk about the things that we go through in life and how to better love each other and God despite these circumstances. I'm your host, Cody Rayleigh, and today I have my friend Courtney Hyden on. Courtney is a wife, mom, licensed financial advisor, and caregiver. We have a great conversation about navigating a dementia diagnosis and all the facets that come with that. And she gives us some great resources. But before we start, I would like to ask that if you are listening on Apple Podcasts, please take a few seconds to rate and review the show. This way, more people can find the Everyday Love Podcast and be encouraged by stories like Courtney's. All right, y'all, here's my conversation with Courtney. Welcome to the Everyday Love Podcast. Today, I have my friend Courtney Hyden with me. Hi, Cody. Thank you so much for having me. (laughs) Yes. Um, For the listeners, this has not been an easy feat. Courtney and I have been (laughs) trying to record this for quite some time, um, and we're finally doing it. So I'm very excited. Courtney is going to talk to us today about starting her own business and her heart behind that. So before we get started, though, Courtney, tell me a little bit about yourself. Who who are you? <laughs> sure. I would say that I play a lot of different roles in my life, but two of my favorites are wife and mother. So I'm happily married to my husband, Richard, and we have a beautiful daughter who is 11 years old named Madeline. I also am incredibly close to my whole entire family, which you'll hear more about through my story. And I'm also very involved in our church, Salt Church, which is in the West Valley. I lead a ministry there. And I also recently launched my own business, which you'll also get to hear more about. Yeah. Um, So Courtney and I met at Salt Church. Uh, We live in Arizona. And when my husband and I moved back here, we started going to Salt Church, which is a church plant that her brother started. And it's really been a family affair, which I think is super cool. (laughs) Uh, So that's how Courtney and I met. Um, And then we've been at Bible study tables together and we've just become really good friends. We love to go on coffee dates. It's our favorite thing. (laughs) Yes, I think our favorite was the recent fall flight we did at our favorite local coffee shop. (laughs) Yes, yes. And now Um, we have the cutest little visitor who joins in on our coffee dates too. Yep, yep. Sawyer comes with us, so... Uh, he's not here today, so you guys don't get to hear from him today. (laughs) Um, okay, Courtney. So tell me, um, a little more about your family and what was your family dynamic like growing up? Sure. I was born and raised in an incredibly strong Christian home, which I am eternally grateful for. It was my mom, my dad, my younger brother, Michael, and myself, and... We were a very close-knit family. We have so many incredible memories from our childhood. My dad always worked full-time, and I wouldn't say we lived by any means an extravagant life. I think we did what we could to make ends meet so that my mom could spend more time at home raising my brother and I. So we were very into sports. My parents coached a lot of our sports teams. We loved sports as a family, watching and playing them, and... You'll hear a little bit more about that too, but we're a very competitive family, so (laughs) sports and and excelling at them is something that I would say was huge. My parents helped out with the high school ministry at at the church we grew up in, so 
we got to see a lot of, of things in church firsthand and it was really neat growing up where that was central in our lives. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, I know a few years ago, your family dynamic kind of took a turn, um, a not very happy turn, I guess. Sure. Uh, so tell me what happened. So this started happening back when my brother and I were in junior high. And to tell you a little bit more about myself, I am in my upper 30s. So this has been going on for quite mm-hmm. some time now. We actually found out when I was in eighth grade that my dad was diagnosed with a brain aneurysm, which is typically a potentially fatal yeah. condition. Yeah. So I remember they were going in and doing the final mapping on his brain to go in and do surgery to remove the aneurysm, and all of a sudden, the doctors couldn't find it. So as believers, (laughs) yes, as believers, we were thinking, well, what a miracle. This is incredible. We went from a very scary situation to we can't find the aneurysm. But it was kind of interesting after that, my dad started having a lot of significant symptoms. So it started off with pretty intense headaches, which is what led us to find out he had the aneurysm. But then his speech started becoming impacted. So to tell you a little bit more about my dad, he was an incredibly savvy businessman, phenomenal with numbers. So you rattle off any sort of equation, he can tell you off the top of his head what the answer is. He's led finance for major corporations and numbers were at the forefront of like, I would say who he Mm -hmm. is as a person just came very naturally to him. And it was interesting because I went from seeing my dad who was incredibly like poised and professional and well-spoken to would have trouble finding the right word. So he had a very robust Mm -hmm. vocabulary, but when he would be talking to someone, you could tell he was searching for the right word and then would often replace it with something simpler just to get through the conversation. We were also noticing his speech was slurring. He wasn't making the best decisions financially or even in regard to relationships, I mentioned he was very poised and professional. He would start making interesting comments to people, which we largely got a chuckle out of, but we just knew something wasn't right. This is not our dad that we grew up with for many years prior to noticing these things. What was like the main effect? What was like your telltale sign of like something is wrong and we need to do something about it? What what happened? Sure, and it was kind of interesting because we did have these signs that we were seeing for so many years after the aneurysm disappeared, but we were thinking maybe this is just like the person he's turning into, but at the same time, like there was this feeling inside of us, like something doesn't seem to be right. So fast forward to when I was in college, I was home for a weekend with my parents, and I remember we were sitting on the couch watching TV together, And all of a sudden the doorbell rang. My mom answered and the person on the other side of the door told my mom their house is going to be auctioned off the next day. Oh my goodness. Yeah. That is, and that's significant. (laughs) Very significant. And it was around the time when Ashton Kutcher's show Punked was really popular. (laughs) And so my mom thought it was a joke or maybe they had the wrong house. But they followed up by saying, your mortgage hasn't been paid in nine months. 
so at that point, my mom started noticing a lot of things were not right. So I told you, mm. like, my dad was yeah. a numbers person. Yeah, so there's and no way he would have forgotten to pay the mortgage. No. And it was interesting, too, because he always ran my parents' finances not to be traditional or anything, but mm-hmm. just simply because my mom does not love numbers. My yeah. dad does. It was kind of his wheelhouse. So he yeah. took care of all of their finances. So she wasn't necessarily on top of like what was being paid, what was not being paid. So that was the first huge sign of many that something mm-hmm. was majorly wrong. So she had found out from there that not only had he not paid the mortgage, but he had also been hiding mail, not paying other bills either, and was doing things like shopping online at night so he had spent down a lot of their assets and retirement funds through some of the choices that he was making so that was a real eye-opener because these are not these are not just silly comments that he's making to someone or not being able to find the right word while those are serious symptoms in and of themselves this was something a lot bigger than that because it was affecting their livelihood and my parents did lose that house that they were living in at the time. Gosh. So sometimes when, if you notice you have a loved one who's doing some quote-unquote sketchy things like that, um, hiding mail, making bad financial decisions, sometimes that can be a sign of various issues, whether it be a health problem or just... um, just poor character. So how do you kind of differentiate between those things? Like if you see someone you love who's having some of these behaviors. Sure. And and I wish this was an easier answer. So I would hope if it's a loved one, either a spouse or a parent that you would know their character well enough to know if this is something that is typical of them or not. Mm -hmm. It's hard, though, because a lot of times, like, early symptoms of dementia or cognitive decline could be mistaken for a variety of other things, and the person who's dealing with the symptoms may not even realize they're doing these things, so sometimes it's very hard to detect. So I would say start by having a conversation with that person coming from a place of love, not judgment and, yeah. and asking, are you aware that this is going on? And I think the answers that you get to those questions will tell you a lot. Yeah. Well, especially because a lot of times um, you expect someone who's older to be having these scenarios, but you were in college when your dad right. was having these behaviors and these symptoms. So that's, right. you know, your first thought isn't no no it's not and it's kind of funny you should say that because my dad's mom was diagnosed with Alzheimer's Mm -hmm. and she was in her 70s when she was diagnosed so we know that dementia whether it be Alzheimer's or another type run in our family but never would we have thought something like that when my dad was in his 40s or 50s right so it actually took a long time even after they lost their home to find out what was going on. We went through many doctors, a lot of different tests, and he was misdiagnosed multiple times. They thought maybe he suffered a stroke. Oh my goodness. Yeah, so we couldn't seem to get the right answers. So that was the first big blow, but I would say the icing on the cake that led to the diagnosis was 
he was leading finance for a pretty significant company and they recorded calls mm-hmm. and they um, noticed when they were listening to the calls that my dad was slurring his speech and they thought he was drinking on the job. Oh, So they no. had called him in to confront him about it. And long story short, like it, it wasn't obviously that my dad doesn't even drink alcohol, but, um, it was another sign of a symptom that was going wrong. So anyways, they put him on leave to truly get to the bottom of what was going on. And he was diagnosed with early onset dementia and Alzheimer's shortly after that. Before you, you continue, can you kind of explain the difference between Alzheimer's and dementia? Sure. Or Because I myself don't know, and I'm sure that's a very common yes. miscommunication between those two. It is, and a lot of times people use them interchangeably. Mm-hmm. So Alzheimer's is a type of dementia. So there are dozens of different types of dementia. Okay. Alzheimer's disease is the most common. And it happens to be one that my dad has been diagnosed with. So there's either late onset, which is typically what we hear more about, but early onset is becoming a bigger thing. So early onset is anyone who's diagnosed under the age of 65. Okay. And my dad was diagnosed at 58. Okay. Um, how far progressed are people typically when they get diagnosed like is there kind of like a scale or what does that look like not necessarily it varies and it it largely depends on when family members start seeing certain clues or signs that something's not right so my dad was diagnosed in relatively early stages but he had been showing symptoms of it for years prior to his diagnosis Mm. so early onset I had always thought was like the beginning stages. Like if someone had early onset Alzheimer's, that it was like the beginning of Alzheimer's. No. But it's not. It's dependent on when they were diagnosed. Exactly. So it's strictly the words early onset strictly refers to age when they were diagnosed. So anything under the age of 65 is considered early onset. So it's it's coming on earlier in life. Okay. later. I see. I see. Wow. I'm learning a lot. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay, yeah. Go ahead and and share with us what was your next steps as a family. Sure. It kind of continued to snowball after that. So my dad's diagnosis was hugely impactful to my family emotionally because mm-hmm. we saw what later stages of Alzheimer's looks like with my grandmother as she progressed in her illness, but also the shock of how young my dad was. Yeah. It was devastating. So I told you he was working at the time and through like many tests and many misdiagnoses, they finally figured out it was early onset Alzheimer's. So at that point, 58 years old, my dad could no longer work or drive. So if you can imagine, most people aren't ready to retire at the age of 58. In fact, a lot of people today are working well into their 60s, even their 70s. It's just kind of the lay of the landscape yeah. right now. So he was the breadwinner in right, our family. Right, I'm sure that was a huge adjustment for your mom. Huge adjustment. So lots of big changes in my family. My dad could no longer work, 
and just some of the some of the early symptoms that he was showing majorly impacted my parents' finances. So over the course of time, my mom had to go back to work. Mm-hmm. And my mom had to go back to work when she was in her upper 50s, which was fine. But at the same time, because of the income loss from some of my dad's earlier symptoms, there wasn't a lot to live off of and there wasn't a lot to retire on. So as of right now, there's not really an end in sight for when my mom can stop working because that whole retirement that you're saving for the whole time you're working just simply isn't there. Right. Wow. Um, So Courtney, tell me, what you did, like, because you are pretty, you're good with numbers, and you kind of got that from your dad, so what did you do moving forward from there? Sure, an Alzheimer's diagnosis is so interesting. It's definitely becoming more prevalent all over the world. A lot more people are being diagnosed. We're learning a lot more about it, but especially when my dad was first diagnosed, there were not a lot of resources out there specifically in regard to how to navigate the financial side of it. So something that a lot of people don't realize, if you're diagnosed with dementia, there more than likely will come a time when you're no longer able to live at home or have Mm. loved ones provide your care. So the cost of long-term care is astronomical. So right now in the state of Arizona and it's pretty comparable across the country, Mm -hmm. but the cost to stay like 24 hours a day in a private nursing facility is close to $10,000 a month. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So and we thought rent was high. <laughs> right, exactly. And that's what's, that's what's kind of interesting about it is we think of paying like our rent, our mortgage, and those numbers are significantly lower for most people than $10,000 a month. Yeah. So for couples or even a single person to come up with 10,000 extra dollars a month to pay for the cost of care. A lot of times it's not possible. Yeah, I think like my husband and I we don't make $10,000 a month, right. so we don't even live off of that for three of us. I can't imagine right. one person right being in a care facility. Wow. Yes, so it's significant and while my dad is still able to be at home right now, just kind of planning for that. And and there are, you know, state funded programs available to Mm -hmm. help pay for care. But another thing that people don't realize is traditional insurance doesn't cover it. So a lot of people think, well, as I age, you know, as of age 65, I can qualify for something like Medicare. Right. Well, Medicare doesn't cover the cost of long-term care. So the maximum it will cover is 100 days. But someone with a dementia or specifically an Alzheimer's diagnosis can live anywhere between eight to almost 20 years after right. a diagnosis. Many of those years where they'll need full-time round-the-clock care. Wow. Yeah, so it's it's significant. And, and just kind of looking ahead when my dad was diagnosed, we offhand did not know like how we would pay for that or like what resources were available mm-hmm. to help a family like ours. Yeah. And that's ultimately what inspired me to start my business. And yeah, tell me about that. Sure. Tell me about uh, financially bright is what it's called, which yes. I love. I think that's such a <laughs> cute and brilliant name. <laughs> yeah, it took me a little while to come up with a name for my business. I wanted it to be clever, but also reflective of who I am as a person. Yeah. 
So it's kind of funny because we talked a little bit about our church earlier in this episode and it's called Salt Church, but I've always wanted and kind of viewed myself as being a light in the lives of other people. Mm -hmm. Like I want to lift others up and be a light shining in a dark place. You do, just so you know, you do. (laughs) Thanks, Cody. Yeah, so bright can kind of mean a few different things. So first, a bright light. So Mm -hmm. I wanted my entire brand to convey the concept of light or brightness. But bright can also mean clever or intelligent. So financially bright. So I use like financially smart or financially bright, but also bright, like brightening someone's path that they're navigating with dementia. I love it. That's so clever. Yep, so that's my... My business name. So specifically what I specialize in, I'm a financial advisor, fully licensed. So I specifically help people develop a plan to pay mm-hmm. for long-term care. Now, a lot of people ask me, you know, is it too late if someone's already diagnosed with dementia? And the answer is no. There's still some things that we can do to help plan in a situation like that. Right. Now, in a perfect world, it would be great if people mine and your ages were planning for their future. There are people mine and your ages, Cody, who are being diagnosed with dementia and early no onset way. Alzheimer's. Yes. Oh my goodness. Yes. That's and terrifying. It is terrifying. And, and even if we set dementia completely to the side, there are people who are diagnosed with chronic illnesses yeah. at any age. And ultimately, we don't know what tomorrow holds. And nobody likes to think about the worst or plan for their future or the potential need for long-term care someday. But the longer you give yourself to create that plan, the more peace of mind. And then you can know if something does happen, my loved ones are taken care of. Yeah. Or I have a plan in place to be able to choose like where I receive care, who provides that care to me. So your options are a lot bigger if you plan in advance. Yeah. So do you, with Financially Bright, do you only take on clients with Alzheimer's diag- or Alzheimer's dementia diagnosis, or do you take on someone who has a cancer diagnosis or another major medical diagnosis um, to help them with their financial planning? Sure. So obviously my, my heart and my passion is working with families who are impacted by dementia, And that's largely because of my family's story and what I've seen us go through and just the huge impacts of an early onset diagnosis. But I do work with people in any life situation who are looking to plan their financial future. So something that I had started going into, like when you and I were talking before, is there are a lot of different risks to people's money. And one that I specialize in is called longevity risk or like a long-term care risk. So what happens if something happens unexpectedly? Like how would we pay for that? And what I've noticed when working with a lot of my clients is a lot of people think they have a perfect plan in place, but when I actually look at it, if a long-term care need were to arise, there's not a specific plan in place. And that's Mm -hmm. something you absolutely want to address in any financial plan. Yeah. Uh, what are some of the ramifications that your family, specifically your mom, mm-hmm. felt after after taking this big hit? Uh, what is, how has her story changed? This is a great question, and I would say my family's story is largely a great example of what it looks like when 
planning has not taken place. And as hard as it is to say, there wasn't a specific plan in place to safeguard against things like what we experienced with my dad's early diagnosis. Mm -hmm. So I mentioned my mom went back to work after a lot of years out of work. She sometimes volunteered at mine and my brother's schools or coached our teams, but my mom largely raised my brother and I. So she had to go back to work. Right now, there's not an end in sight for when she can stop working. Yeah. So right now, she's you know, supporting the two of them. But as my dad's diagnosis progresses further, she's going to need more help. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. and that's specifically something that I've stepped in and, and helped a lot with, with my parents is helping to take care of my dad. So he's still able to meet like a lot of his like living needs on mm-hmm. his own, but it's not good for him to be left alone. And sometimes he doesn't make the best decisions. Like, might try to microwave metal or he might think oh. it's a good idea to go cut some bushes yeah. when it's 110 degrees outside. Yeah. So, I mean, forgive me for this comparison, but it's a little like having a, a kid around that you've got yes. to kind of yeah. watch. I mean, I hate to say that about your dad. <laughs> right. But. Yeah. It's, um, it's definitely different than interacting with an adult who's 65 who doesn't have a dementia diagnosis so I shared earlier in our conversation that I have an 11 year old daughter so it's specifically interesting to watch the two of them interact (laughs) with one another they have an incredibly close relationship yeah but they definitely interact more like siblings than like grandfather and granddaughter yeah I've seen them interact and it's quite honestly it's adorable to watch (laughs) but I know it's also not an ideal scenario either right so um but that does kind of lead me into the next part of this episode sure. uh since this is an episode about relationships mm-hmm. I want to talk about what you know what is it like when someone that you love and look up to just completely changes so how do you you can rephrase this question if you need to but sure How do you maybe love your dad differently now than you did pre this diagnosis? And I don't even know that it's loving him differently. I think it's largely meeting him where he is. Right. So I have so many incredible memories from when I was younger. Like my, my dad always helped with like math homework and something I didn't share about in this episode, but I also did a lot of public speaking when I was younger, had opportunities to travel all across the country giving speeches. That's why she's so well-spoken, you guys. (laughs) Listen to her. Well, thank you. (laughs) And my dad helped me write a lot of my speeches. So Mm. him and I did a lot of really neat things together. I spoke on things like family values and it was just really neat to like have him by my side through a lot of that. And him and I always had this aspiration to write a book together called speak out. And it's like, we have not actually brought it to life, but I'm, I'm actually have my wheels spinning about how to make that come to life at some point. But we kind of went from that where he was significantly helping me with things to now I'm able to be there to help him. So, Mm while it may not be things like picking out his outfits, which is kind of funny because right. he, every day he, when he sees me, he asks me if his clothes match. <laughs> but um, 
now it's more like doing things to help keep his brain engaged. Yeah. And sometimes he might, he might not see what I'm doing, but I try to interact with him in a way that's going to keep his brain sharp and yeah. keep him keep him from declining at a quicker rate. Yeah. So is that part of it? Are there like exercises and things that yeah. these patients can do to to keep them from declining like you said? There are definitely some things out there that can help slow the progression of the disease and it's a little bit different in every scenario, so it's okay. not a perfect science. Of course, like preventative measures for you and I would be diet and exercise. So Mm -hmm. eating healthier foods, keeping your body active, those things still ring true when you have dementia. So choosing the right foods or engaging in physical activity. My dad loves to play pickleball. So it's really cool to see him out on the court because I told you sports were something that were so important in my family. So he gets up and plays early in the morning, like three days a week, and he's still really sharp at keeping track of the score. And I don't know if you've ever (laughs) seen pickleball, but it's not an easy scoring system. But um, So that's probably kind of a a good exercise because it's physical and mental for him. Absolutely. So it kind of keeps him sharp on two levels. Reading out loud is another one. So not just reading to yourself, but actually saying the words out loud to make that connection. Yeah. And then playing games is good. Him and I love to play games together. I would say our favorite is Yahtzee. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there was a story that you were telling me the other day that I thought was so funny. Something about he, you were having a match something, but oh. you timed him to do it. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Tell, tell that story because sure. I thought that was so funny. <laughs> the game is called Perfection, and I'm not sure if anyone listening remembers this game, but it's rectangular in shape, and it has a bunch of different shapes that you're trying to match, kind of like a puzzle, uh-huh. but you press down the center of the board, and it gives you a minute to put all of the shapes in the correct, in the correct spot that they're uh-huh. supposed to go in. So my dad and I have been trying this and I've been using it as an experiment. (laughs) And um, the first time he did it, he only got probably like four or five. And he's very competitive. And I would see that come to life as we were playing this game. So the next time he got like six and then seven. And the next thing I knew, he was organizing them (laughs) on the outside of the perfection board (laughs) so that it was almost like clockwork where he was putting them in. So but it was funny. it was cool to see like how he was being clever with it. Yes. <laughs> definitely yeah. definitely cheating in the game. For sure cheating, but for the purposes that you're doing it with him, maybe even better for him. Yeah, Who knows? It was just cool to see like how he was still coming up with a strategy, like, how can I beat this game? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so we play it often and um it's just really awesome to see his joy. Yeah. when we're playing games so like Yahtzee he's got to be like the luckiest person <laughs> when we're playing Yahtzee like he rolls like more Yahtzees than anyone I've ever seen but um I'll always joke with him like oh if anybody needs us we'll be in Vegas yeah. <laughs> and he just gets the biggest kick out of it but the way he rolls the dice I wish this were a video episode so I could actually demonstrate it but uh-huh. he does all of these extravagant moves when he's rolling the <laughs> dice And it's just really awesome for me, like kind of back to like, how has our relationship changed? I'm super grateful to be able to spend this time with him. Does he give you little glimpses of who he was before? Like that 
Yeah. That Patrick is still there. He is still there. And it's kind of funny because I, I interview him too. Mm. So I'll turn on my video camera and ask him different questions just to see how he'll respond. And it is cool to still see some aspects of his, his character that I, I knew and loved growing up. But if anything, he's become like more friendly and sociable through his diagnosis. So it's kind of cool to see some new attributes roll out. Yeah. But with dementia, you just ultimately don't know what tomorrow holds. Yeah. And I think that's the hardest thing about this. You're proactively grieving your loved one mm-hmm. while they're still living. Right. And everything is kind of treated like the last. Yeah. So, like, could this be our last Thanksgiving together? Or if I see him serving at church, like how much longer is he going to be able to do that? And like the first thing I see when I walk in in the morning is he's setting up like our kids check-in stations. So there are things that he like loves to do. And you just wonder like when that might look different or when he might stop remembering like who I am. And it's definitely something that hits me harder sometimes than others. So I'm just trying to take all the pictures, all the videos and spend all the time I possibly can with him. Yeah. Um, how has it affected your relationships with your other family members, your brother, your mom, your husband even? Like, how is... Because this... You guys are really close. This impacts everybody. It does. And I think, like, finding that balance and making sure you're keeping your priorities straight is really important. Um, I think I've just immediately developed a soft spot for my dad's diagnosis and I think a lot of that is because I saw my grandmother go through it and just how horrible it was like toward the end of her life and um I think if anything I sometimes have a hard time empathizing with my mom Mm -hmm. like she lives with my dad and she's with him 24 7 and experiences things to a different level like I come in and I I help a lot and I spend you know several hours with my dad most weekdays Mm -hmm. but I'm still only seeing him for only a fraction of what she does so I think that's something that I've been actively working on lately is trying to see things from my mom's point of view like she's not battling like a chronic illness right now but at the same time like I love her with all of my heart just as much as I love my dad and I just want to be there for her to take things off of her plate and try to understand better where she's coming from. Yeah. Um, and then with with Madeline, my daughter, just trying to get her to understand. And ultimately, she's only 11 years old. So yeah. she knows, like, Poppy has Alzheimer's. But at the same time, she doesn't fully grasp what that means. So, like, when they're interacting and he might be short with her getting her not to like bite back at him and just exercise some patience. So it's kind of a cool opportunity for me to lead through example. Yeah. Like helping my dad through this with her and her being able to see some of that in action. Yeah. It's definitely hard and I just can't express enough gratitude for my husband. I can't even tell you how many times like I've just broken down crying when we're in a seemingly happy environment because it just all of a sudden hits me like I don't even know like what life would look like without either of my parents. Like I'm very close to my whole family and just like imagining like him not 
being in my life. It's just really hard. So Richard processes like a lot of tears and a lot of tough moments. And I just appreciate his encouragement through all of that too. And just trying to be there and empathize with me. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, a heavy thing. And I think people, a lot of times, you know, we see it in movies, like, gosh, the notebook, that's like one of the most popular movies in the country for women anyway. (laughs) And we kind of romanticize it a little bit, and but it, it's not. It's it's hard. It's a disease that affects your family. Yeah, and it, it affects us in so many ways. And and unless you have a loved one who either currently has or has had dementia, it's really hard to know what that actually looks like on a daily basis and just the the progression like each phase of it looks a little bit different and gets a little bit harder it's yeah. a lot to process yeah um well I know that you mentioned that you and your dad wanted to write a book together mm-hmm. at some point um and I know that you did write a book um I did that's not the one that you and your dad wanted to write together right but Uh, Tell me about that. Tell me about your book. It's called Shining Light on the Truth, Dementia and Your Money. (laughs) So Mm. you know that I'm a financial advisor and there are lots and lots of financial advisors all over the world, but I would say a lot of financial advisors don't specialize in one specific thing. And just based off of what's gone on with my family, seeing some of the challenges that they have experienced... It's caused me to want to learn everything I can about how a dementia diagnosis can impact your finances. Mm -hmm. So I actually worked with a friend and a mentor of mine. He's been in the financial planning industry a lot longer than me. He lives in Missouri. His grandmother had Alzheimer's, so him and I co-authored the book. As a resource for families, we we both share our stories of what what happened and how dementia has impacted us personally, but we also share all kinds of different resources on how people can approach it from a financial perspective, and we also share some different advice and and tidbits on like different community-based resources too, like what other things should you be thinking of besides finances, so choosing the right care facility or making sure that the caregiver has what they need. Yeah. And this is a free resource, correct? Yeah. Yes. So Courtney, it's incredible that you do that because not many people give away their, their intellectual property for free. And, but it's amazing because it is an excellent, excellent resource for people who are confused and obviously Mm -hmm. already in a financial bind. So the thought of buying a book could be overwhelming, even though it's, Right. It may seem simple to many of us, but when you're in a financially difficult spot, mm-hmm. every extra expense is overwhelming. Right. So thank you for doing that. That's amazing. And how can people, if we have listeners who want to access this, mm-hmm. how can they access? Sure. So by reaching out to me directly, so you can either reach out to me through my website, which is financiallybright.com. Okay. And I'll link these in the show notes. Sure. That would be awesome. And then my email address is Courtney at financiallybright.com. So I'll share with Cody the spelling of these so that it's easy to find. So I can send you an electronic version. I also have paper copies for distribution too. So the whole premise of me starting this business was to be a blessing in the lives of families who are experiencing things that are similar to what my family is Mm -hmm. experiencing. So 
yes, while a lot of people choose to sell the book that they've written, which that's wonderful for them. Like yeah. I just genuinely saw this as a resource and, and just wanted to be a blessing in the lives of others. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. Thank you. Um, also coming up in November is it's caregivers month, correct? Yes. National yes. family caregivers month. Yes. Um, and on November 5th, if you are in the Phoenix area, um, there is a walk. Is it Walk for Alzheimer's? Yep. So it's called the Walk to End Alzheimer's. So we put a team together every single year. We're nicknamed Team Poppy. And Poppy is my dad's nickname. Mm-hmm. So that's what all of his grandchildren call him. Yeah. <laughs> so we have Team Poppy. We love to get together like a huge group of family members and friends to come walk. It's only one mile in downtown Phoenix. And it's really awesome. So at the walk itself, everyone gets a flower. And the flowers represent how it, how Alzheimer's has impacted you personally. So those mm-hmm. living with it, they hold a blue one. Or if you're a caregiver, you might hold a yellow one. So it's really neat visual, yeah. visually to see like why everyone's walking. It's just a really mm-hmm. awesome experience. And then we also are raising money for the Alzheimer's Association. So people can donate to our team also. So the link is a little bit hard to say out loud, but I'm okay. happy to give that to you yes. to put in the show notes too. Yes. Um, and if anybody's listening wants to walk and if they don't have a team, can they join Team Poppy? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, the more the merrier. So this one is in Phoenix. They hold these all over the country and if I'm not mistaken, even outside of the country too. Okay. We do have some listeners in Canada. I, I heard I'm that. I'm very excited about it. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> Anyways. Yeah, yeah. So there are different ones that happen all across the country, but yes, anyone who's local, we'd love for you to come walk with us. Okay. Yeah. So make sure that you guys sign up for that walk um, and go support Team Poppy. <laughs> <laughs> we have cool shirts too. <laughs> they do. They do. I love them. <laughs> um. Okay, Courtney. Before we end with our last couple of questions, I want to ask. If there's someone listening who is maybe in the spot that you were in in college where they're seeing these significant signs and not sure what to do with them or have recently had a loved one or they themselves received this diagnosis, what's your advice to them? Sure. So I would say if they've not gotten the diagnosis yet to make sure they're following up with their doctor, specifically a neurologist is someone Mm -hmm. who helps with dementia diagnosis yeah um also for for families who are impacted with a loved one who's just been diagnosed make sure that you have a plan in place and especially if it's early on in the diagnosis even if that diagnosis has already taken place just make sure that there's a clear plan in place moving forward like if our loved one needs care, where would they want to receive that care and how do we plan to pay for it? And in that mm-hmm. situation, you'll want to work with a licensed financial advisor. Yeah. It doesn't have to be me, but it would definitely be awesome to, to meet with someone who is passionate about helping people plan to pay for care, but also just loving each other well, like through the whole situation. It's definitely not easy, and there are a lot of frustrating moments on a lot of different levels, so yeah. exercising as much patience as possible and just really making sure that you cherish those moments 
because I think it's important like when things do look dramatically different maybe they don't remember who you are anymore to have like those memories and there's those moments to look back on yeah yeah well I'm so glad that you've been here today um but we're not done yet (laughs) so I have two questions that I ask everyone at the end of the show and the first one is because of this season how do you love others and love God better now than you did before? I love this question and it's, it's a good one too. And it's something that I try to ask myself no matter what I'm dealing with in life. God is awesome. Yeah. And even when our circumstances are not good, he is. Mm -hmm. And I think it's very easy to lose sight of that sometimes when we're in the thralls of whatever awful situation we're dealing with, whether it be a dementia diagnosis or or really anything else. But just keeping in mind that he is good and he's faithful. And sometimes our human minds can't wrap wrap themselves around like God's plan, but he does have one and he's working all things together for us. And I just know the Lord is with us through every step of this journey and I can see him in it. Mm -hmm. I mean, just the simple fact that I do have the flexibility to spend time with my dad during the week. That's something that I don't take for granted. And I know God's provided that for me and just the love and the closeness of my family. I'm just very grateful that he's knit us all together and, and it's, it's awesome. But as far as people not taking anything for granted, so None of us have tomorrow promised, so I try to resolve any issues quickly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so forgive fast, extend a lot of grace, and just make the most of every single day. And you just never know what could happen tomorrow, but just making sure that the people I'm closest to know how much they mean to me and how much I love them and yeah. and loving them well. Yeah. Um, I didn't do this on purpose, but the the show has kind of had this theme of like we go through these things here on earth Mm -hmm. but man heaven is going to be so cool (laughs) (laughs) absolutely and this is definitely like our temporary home and yeah I think how we handle things or how we walk through difficult situations is part of our testimony as believers too And I think we can set an incredible example for people when we handle things in yeah. a godly manner and, and realize that we do have eternity promised to us and this yeah. is temporary and there will be no suffering. and Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And for my last question, because you're on the Everyday Love podcast, <laughs> what are you loving right now? Oh my goodness. So many things. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I love people and I absolutely love like my family, my friends, and I just thrive off of those conversations and those moments that we have together. And kind of a fun note, absolutely loving the gym my husband and I work out at. That's um, awesome. Called Burn It, Build It. (laughs) It's in, um... That's a good name for a gym. Totally good name (laughs) and it's kind of catchy too. (laughs) But it's in Avondale, but we've just really like met an awesome community there and it's really helped get us into a healthier place like physically yeah. and mentally um absolutely love serving our church yes yeah. 
just a huge blessing in my life, just the people and the work that I get to do there. And you do a great job. And you thank you. You have a lot of jobs there. <laughs> I do. You do a lot of things. I like to joke around and say I'm like the jack of all trades, the master of none. <laughs> I do have a lot of different hats I wear in my life, but I'm I truly love them all. And I just think my um, goal is to make sure I'm not spreading myself too thin. But that's an ongoing goal. But the last thing um the Phoenix Suns. So I absolutely love the Suns. They just started their season and we love going to the games, watching them on TV. So love, when, love, love them. When Courtney said that she's a Suns fan, she is not kidding. Y'all. Or a sports fan. I'm sorry. When she said she's a sports fan, their family loves sports more than any people I've ever met in my whole life. Yes. I'm quite sure that's true. Yeah, we... Love all of our Arizona teams. Uh-huh. We're all um, huge Arizona sports fans. I would say the Suns are probably my favorite, though. So really? I'm super excited that they're playing again and get excited when they have games on. And and then my husband and I are going to the game this Friday, actually, to celebrate my birthday. So I'm very excited. Yay! Well, happy birthday. <laughs> Thank you. From me and all the listeners. Awesome. <laughs> Thanks, guys. All right. Thanks for being on today, Courtney. Thank you so much for having me, Cody. Courtney great. I'm so glad that she came on and shared her family story with us. And I hope that it has made you think about your family's future and how to better prepare for a situation like this. I know it sure made me think about some things. Be sure to follow Courtney on Instagram at financially.bright. If you're local to the Phoenix area, go sign up for the Walk to End Alzheimer's and join Team Poppy. The link to sign up is in the show notes along with Courtney's email for anyone who's interested in requesting her book. It's called Shining Light on the Truth, Dementia and Your Money. Request it for yourself or someone you know. Please share this episode on social media and tag us at the Everyday Love Podcast. You never know who could be needing the advice and resources that Courtney provided. Or just to hear her story and be reminded that they are not alone. That's all we have for today. If you need anything from me, you can find me on Instagram at Mrs. Cody Rayleigh. And if not, we'll see you on Friday for another episode.